If you don't have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't know Jesus. We've done all these things in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've worked miracles in your names. We've, we've done these things in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me for I never knew you. The only way that I can gauge if you know God is where is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? There is only one way. been led wrong by leaders in my life. And I feel like in this season, um, I'm being delivered of self-righteousness and understanding what it means to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Um, you know, different individuals that I've followed, that I've been around, different ministries, um, they they did not do the best job of modeling to me or to other people what it means to be poor in the spirit, what it means to uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness, what it means to repent or to mourn. Like, like I just, as if like men and women of God get put on this pedestal and then they don't really tell people what they're actually going through. And then there's a bunch of people that think they're way down here and they're trying to get up here and it just creates this terrible uh, separation. And, and, and I, I was a part of that. And then also I would say that I've been 36 now, been a part of multiple different ministries. Um, I've been fooled enough times by gifting and, and thinking that gifting, um, I don't want to use that word anointing because I think we get gifting and anointing mess, mixed up as well. But gifting, seeing somebody who's gifted, seeing somebody who's popular, seeing somebody who's an influencer uh, or, a, you know, maybe a celebrity, um, thinking that that is determining that God is with them. So I just say this, gifts are given fruit is grown. Okay. So I, I kind of want to open it up. I know I just said a couple things. It's like, okay, where are we going to go in this conversation? Holy Spirit's going to lead. I want to be a leader that's poor in spirit and dem demonstrates to those around me. I'm a weak man. I know my desperate need of God. And I want to set you up for success because I know that you're a weak individual as well. And we're going to be weak together, but we're going to be strong in Christ. I, I want to model that to, to the young people that I'm around so that I'm not setting them up for failure, thinking that they've got to be self-righteous and strong and put up this front when really inside they're dealing with things. And then I want to be a leader that doesn't just have gifting, but has the fruit of the Spirit in my life. So when I go into a ministry now, or go into a new setting, or I'm around new people, I'm being introduced to people. This is what I'm looking for. Okay, 
is the fruit of the Spirit here? Where's the fruit? Where's love? Where's joy? Where's gentleness? Where's kindness? Where's self-control? Like I'm looking for, I'm I'm not going to be deceived any longer by gifting. And then I'm like, okay, where is the poor in spirit? Where's the hunger? Where's the, because I found that the the more that I rose in the church, (laughs) which is just so, really it's the more you, 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 decline. It's not the more you, but the more I began to go here, there was actually a moment and and I'll share this and we'll open it up. There was a moment where I was at a certain ministry and um, I heard the Lord say this. He said, will you lose your fame for me? And I was like, fame, I'm not famous. He said, well, that's not how the people view you. Cause when I would walk through the lobby, people would line up and it, and it had begun to creep into my heart. Like, I'm like, oh, I kind of like walking through the lobby and people kind of like, oh, they know me. And, you know, they're coming in from different states and it was beginning to actually affect me. And I can remember the Lord saying, will you lose your fame for me? And I was trying to justify that that wasn't in my heart. So I said, yes, Lord, because I always want to be obedient. He said, then stand at the door every day until people walk by you. So I did. It was, a, it was a ministry school. The first couple of weeks I stood there, there was a line of people. They would talk to me, and, I, and it was still kind of stro- petting that ego in me. But then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks in, people just began to walk right by me. And I had lost my so-called importance, but I was building real relationship with these people. And I had removed this, this idea that Chris is this really important person. No, I'm a weak man in desperate need of God. And then I can be a real father because I haven't separated myself. <laughs> and so let's open it up. I mean, I'm sure I just, I just so shared a lot good. of different stuff. What's going so through good. your guys' minds? What, what, what are you thinking about it when um, I talk about this? A lot of people, <laughs> every, everywhere I go, I, I speak a lot. I, I teach a lot as a doctor, right? And It's actually a privilege. I'm going somewhere with this. It's a privilege to be called doctor because when asked who I really am, it's something I get to take off and say it's nothing compared to what I know in him. That's right. It's like there, there's, there's, uh, there was a season where I'm like, hi, my name is Dr. Chris. Like I almost like I, I need, I needed, I needed to be called <laughs> doctor. Now it's just a joke. It's a running joke. <laughs> But if we're going to lay our crowns before him, come on, man. it doesn't mean acquiring no skill, being nothing in, in, in the sense of never trying, never growing, never, ne- never fulfilling the potential of your life. It's in the fullness of our life, in the height of what we've so-called achieved the humility to be able to lay it down and say, my highest title is son. My highest calling is servant. Servant. That's, I've had more peace in understanding that. And it, it was not overnight. It feels overnight sometimes when I think about it. I'm like, I don't remember. Oh, wait, I remember. Those are very long season of me not getting that. <laughs> like this one minister. I, says I know we're talking one. about. Oh, go ahead. He says, he says, I became a 40 year overnight success. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, like in the sense of he finally got it, a 40-year overnight success. Exactly. It takes a while. But there there is a switch and 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 what's so beautiful is is in in so much of what I teach now, it it comes right back to none of this matters without being right with God. That's right. And and none of what I'm teaching about people being whole and healthy has it can bear any fruit outside of right identity in Christ. And that has nothing to do with like my title position, nothing. It has absolutely nothing. It has to do everything with me knowing who I am, what I'm called to do right now. And I know it's not church leadership per se, but it's actually opened doors to even show that in the church. And I recognize the exact same thing, that same attitude where it's like, I'm, I'm advancing. And every time I learn more, every time I have a new opportunity, I feel tinier. (laughs) Like literally I'm like, I don't understand why this is happening at all anymore, but I'm, I'm more than willing to just do it. Right. You know, and, and, and in doing it, I see all the fruit. In doing it, I see myself transformed. In doing it, I get more broken. In doing it and seeing what he has for me, he shows me more and more of what my potential in him is, and it makes me more timid knowing I cannot do it without him. Wow. Or or, unless I have him with me. Like And then when you when you share in that way, so when you model really servant leadership, think about Jesus. If there was anybody on the earth that should be a celebrity. I think God himself (laughs) should probably hold that celebrity card, but he came to serve. When we lead that way and we model that, that's where God gets the glory. Yeah. If not, then we're taking the glory as if I did it or as if I, through my discipline and through my devotion and through my, and, and then we begin to talk down to people versus lifting people up and saying, listen, this is all Jesus. And it's not false humility, it's brokenness. It's being poor in spirit. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing. What's stirring in your head over there? Man, ever since you started this conversation, <laughs> <laughs> the verse that says uh, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Yes. You know, which would mean you can you can receive gifts and calling from God that you don't necessarily have the character necessary. To, to carry where those get that gift and calling can carry you yet. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So for instance, Jesus gave authority to the disciples that were following him to cast out demons and heal the sick, but later called one of them a devil. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't necessary. And they denied him, even though they carried that gift and authority. Yes. You know, and, yeah. and so, you know, God gives those gifts and, and the calling and wants you to follow him as he develops the character necessary to carry the call and not allow them to promote you before he promotes you. Mm-hmm. Come on. Man. So like there's a, there's a verse that has been one of my life verses and and God taught me this thankfully a long time ago, but I still have to pray it all the time. You know, Romans five, three through five, it says suffering produces perseverance, which produces proven character, which produces hope that doesn't disappoint. And so I know the process to prove in character is suffering. Wow. You know, it's, it's the testing of your faith that produces perseverance. Yeah. And, and I also have an understanding of where he's called me. And so my prayer for myself 
is God do whatever it takes to develop the character necessary to carry the call and do not promote before I have that character. And also every leader, because I'm, I'm a senior pastor of a church that we planted, every leader, leader you bring to our church, do not promote our church until our leadership and right. our teams have the character necessary to carry the call, whatever it takes and hinder our growth and hinder our promotion until we're ready to carry it. Because wow. Satan, Lucifer had the glory of God, but didn't have the character necessary or yes. to, to push the weight of that glory back to him, back to God. Instead, the weight of the glory that God gave him, caused him to cave in on himself and he fell man it's it's when you start talking this way that's a dangerous way to pray <laughs> but you know what i've seen too many good people fall yeah and and i want to live that way mm-hmm. if my name's never known if our ministry never th- emerges like we think if no, I want God to do it. Yeah. And I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> though he was God, mm-hmm. though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus modeled servant leadership. Dude, so like right before it, it says, in your relationships, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. And one of the versions says, though Jesus was equal with God, he did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, which means we're supposed to have that same mindset in our relationship with one another. So even though I'm equal with Chris, I'm not supposed to count equality with Chris, something to be grasped. Instead, I'm supposed to take on the form of a servant and wash his feet. Well, what if our churches did that for one another? Come on. What if our, our pastors, like, like even though I'm a pastor and I'm equal with the people that come in, I'm not supposed to count equality with that hope, homeless man, something to be grasped or proven or anything else. Instead, in my relationship with him, I'm supposed to take on the, ser- or the form of a servant and say what Jesus said to him. That's right. When Jesus said to his people, You'll do the same things I do and even greater. Let me lay my life down to serve you and help you to experience that. It's just wrecking me right now. <laughs> and, and convicting me all at the same time. It's wonderful. It's we can have an altar call right now. <laughs> I, I would totally raise my hand. I would respond as well. <laughs> What's, what are you thinking, man? I don't, I don't even know what I'm thinking. I, I'm just like... My heart's burning. I do. I have my heart's burning. I, I think I had one thought come while you're talking, Chris, about if Jesus said, when you pray, ask the Father that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
right? So we want heaven on earth. Mm. We want to bring heaven onto earth. We, we want this world to look like his world. Um, the way things are done in his kingdom, we want them done here. Obviously, like the kingdom's expanding right now. The kingdom's at hand, Jesus said, and that kingdom is expanding right now. And the earth is expanding through us sharing the gospel. It's expanding through, through us going out and, and uh, manifesting Jesus to the world, right? Well, obviously, in, in God's kingdom, when we all get there, we're going to cast our crowns at his feet. We're going to cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus. And if that's happening, if that's supposed to happen, then if that, and that's honestly, it's happening right now as we speak. There's people going before the Lord's throne, casting their crowns, doctors and, you know, uh, highly successful businessmen, entrepreneurs, you know, they're casting their crowns at the feet of Jesus. We need to do the same here. We need to be casting our crowns, taking our crowns off, setting them down, whatever that crown may be, set that crown down at the feet of Jesus. And I don't even know how to say it, but not have a crown. Servants don't have crowns. Mm-hmm. Servants are just servants and they just serve the one that's in front of them. And I wish I knew the address in the Bible, but Jesus said, he said, um, when you did it for one of these, you did it for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, uh, I think it was one time, I think I made some ice cream, I, I think is what it was, but I'm like, Lord, I want to give you some of this. I want to tie this. I want to give it. And you can't, you know, bring a pint of ice cream and hand it to the pastor on Sunday morning. Here's my tithe. You know what I mean? I hope it doesn't melt before you're done with your message. But I felt like the Lord said, just go give it to a person on the street. Come on. Go give it to somebody. Go, go bless somebody. In doing so, you're, you're giving it to me. That's mm-hmm. right. And so I think when we lay our crowns down and we serve the person that's in front of us, whether that's a leader in our life, whether that's our spouse, whether that's our kids, whether that's just the homeless person on the side of the road, it doesn't, the stranger, it doesn't matter. It's we lay our crowns down and we're never above like, Oh, I don't, I don't need to do that. You know, I'm a, I'm I'm a senior leader of a, of a, of a highly successful church. I I don't, I don't go out there and, you know, do that anymore. I used to, I don't do that anymore. Like, no, we need to take our crown down, crown off. We need to humble ourselves. We need to take up a servant's heart. That's right. To serve from that. That's right. What's the dangerous prayers you were talking about? Yeah. It's, it's asking not for the results, but for the, for the work or the calling or the privilege to serve in a way that produces the fruit that makes us more righteous. Asking for that, asking for the opportunity to be molded. It's the fear of the the Lord. It's asking for the fear of the Lord. That's what I've, when you're talking that way, I'm, I feel the fear of the Lord. Mm. I want the fear of the Lord in my life so that we're leading people to Jesus and not leading people to ourself. Mm-hmm. Anything built on self will self-destruct. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there are so many kingdoms built on self, selfish ambition. And then you see, um, and I don't just want to say the younger generation, every generation. And I made the mistake one time. Um, there was an elder, <laughs> this this little lady Linda, powerful woman of God. She's still an elder in my life. Um, I at one time was talking about in the West, how we have selfish ambition and we have people that are fighting for titles. And we have, she came to me and she's like, Chris, this is everywhere. Amen. 
Like, have you not been to Africa? I'm like, no, I have been to Africa. And then when I begin to think about it, it was all the way back with Jesus and the yep. scribes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, where Jesus says, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, yes. you have no part mm. in me. And there are so many leaders mm. that have been trained by the world that are that are keeping face on Sunday and they're actually robbing their people from the blessing of God. I think it's so it's kind of comical to me. Um, you know, people be like, man, when you spoke that message, you were speaking right to me. When you had that revelation about what I was going through, well, yeah, because I went through it yesterday. <laughs> I had pride in my life two days ago, Ooh. and God just revealed it, but somehow. Uh, we've we we we've removed. We've, we're trying to keep this image of we're strong and we're right, powerful, right. and 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 then also you see in the body of Christ people that are jockeying for position, mm -hmm. and they're they're trying to get to a stage, and they're trying to get to. It's like it's like the church in America has become an enterprise. <laughs> it's like it's oh, yeah, it's, it's no different than the corporate world and the things that people do to one another to position and to get to where as if they're trying to climb a ladder. Yeah. It's, it's crazy right now in the body of Christ when if people would think like Jesus, lead like Jesus, lay their life down, don't sit in the most important chair. You know, like yeah. we would have such a, the, the word of God says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Amen. You know, like, well, so, so on that, on that specifically promoting yourself, like anything from self has to fall. So if you promote yourself, you're going to have to sustain yourself That's and right. it's yes. going to exhaust you. Yes. But if you let God promote you in his timing, he's the one that's responsible for sustaining you. We're just responsible for obedience. And the way that that happens right. is servant leadership. Like you said earlier, Jesus said to lead is to serve. The, the word for servant is the word for a waiter. What does a waiter do? A waiter goes to the table and takes food and drink to give the people sitting at the table what they need. They're hungry. And the waiter lays their life down to give them what they need. A true leader is laying their life down to serve others, giving them the food of the word of God and the drink of the Holy Spirit in whatever role in the kingdom they have, whether it's a business, whether it's church, whether it's a mother, they're laying their life down to, to serve others, giving them what they need. And if that's my, the position of my heart and the attitude, the actions of my body and my mouth, God is going to promote you to lead in the kingdom. But it, when he does it, it will be holy and he'll sustain it. So good. That's right. Something I was thinking about, Chris, when you were talking about leaders um, in any environment that don't, and I'll just call it authenticity. They don't model authenticity. They always have it put together. Mm. They, they always are in a strong place. They're always just like, you yeah. know, they, they never have a rough moment or a rough day. Yeah. You know, uh, I, so often I, I feel that really sets up congregations, honestly, any environment, anyone uh, that's following that leader, it's setting them up for failure. It's setting them up for failure because um, I've seen this countless times. People would come to me, uh, you know, I'd be on, ministry team line, praying for people after a service or something. And someone will come with something 
And, and it's something that, and I can't think of one off the top of my head, but just a basic thing that every person deals with. And they're so ashamed of it. And they're so sad, you know, and I'm just like, listen, I just dealt with the same thing yesterday. Let's just pray really quick, you know, and, and, but they're, but then they reference back to the pastor, but you know, he said this and like, you know, and he said like, we shouldn't be, why we shouldn't be doing this. And, you know, rather than that leader saying, Hey, um, I, I work through this myself. I go through this same problem, whatever right. it may be, lust, unforgiveness, you know, uh, being angry at somebody, uh, I haven't, I had an argument with my wife, you know, sometimes I, when I first got married, me and my wife, first year of marriage, we were working through so much. And I always felt shame because I'm like, I'm supposed to be a man of God. And I'm, 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 I'm on this leadership team at a church and I'm, I'm arguing with my wife. And now I'm like, yeah, you know, like I'm not the only one that walks through that. Come sometimes on. it's called a relationship. <laughs> and, uh, but I never heard a pastor ever talk about it. No one ever opened that part of their life and be like, Hey, I had an argument with my wife. You know, I, I, I my kids were driving me wacko and I, I, you know what I mean? I, I spoke to them in a harsh tone and I had to go apologize to them or whatever the case may be. And I think when leaders don't, aren't authentic, if they're not opening up their heart, they're not being uh, vulnerable. Cause there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. Yes, there is. And when a, when a leader is vulnerable, it sets his congregation up. It sets the people who follow him uh, up for success because they now can see, okay, because we're going to go through something no matter what. You got. You can have a leader that looks absolutely perfect and everyone that's following them is going to hit speed bumps. They're all going to walk through something. They're all going to walk through some temptation. They're going to walk through a hard time. And if they never saw their leader walk through it, then how do we expect them to walk through it? How do we expect someone to walk through uh, a trial without a leader modeling it authentically and really opening up their heart. And I think it's so key that we lead with authenticity, that we don't hide our weakness, that we don't um, act as though we can't act as though we have it together. Right. Like we found out the secret sauce. And I'm going to try to get you now to have the secret sauce too, so that you never have a rough day and the devil never hands you your lunch. You know what I mean? Eats your lunch. It's like, no, like times are tough sometimes, you know, like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane sweating blood. God himself. I mean, his, 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 his blood vessels are breaking under, under the weight of this demonic assault coming against him. He wasn't just like, you know, like no sweat, you know, I'm good. It wasn't like that. And I believe he said to his disciples, he said, I forget exactly how he worded it, but he's like, uh, you know, his heart was grieved to the point of like almost unto death. He was saying like, he's just like, he's, he's carrying something. He's going through something. And I love Jesus's authenticity all through the Bible. And I think we need to model that way so that people that follow us know how to walk through the same things. We're going to walk through something. Everyone's going to walk That's through right. it. In uh, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, so since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we, have, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize in our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then confide 
with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Exactly what you're talking about is leadership is not saying I have all strength. Leadership is saying I have none, and but I trust the one who walked through the same yes. temptations yet did it better. Yes. So whether in, in success or in failure, anyone in leadership can still bear fruit claiming Christ as the strength for why they are successful at any point in their life. Yes. And so in good. weakness to be restored to righteousness because of what he did as well. Yeah. yeah. In, um, in Proverbs uh, 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction. One of the most misquoted scriptures yeah. is so often people say pride goes before a fall, but it's pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. And I going to kind of open up a can of worms. Okay. And, and we're not, we're not going to, maybe in a later podcast, we can have some fun discussing what Paul's thorn was, but we're not going to go there. Okay. But we know in scripture that Paul did have a thorn, whether that be persecution, whether that be physical sickness, whether that be Fill, fill in the blank on whatever you want that to be. I'm, I'm not starting that, but we, you cannot read the word of God and say that Paul did not have a thorn right. in his flesh. It says a thorn in the flesh was given to, a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me, right? A thorn was given so that I would not become prideful. Yeah. It wasn't that Paul was prideful. It was a loving father seeing a son saying, I don't even want you to get close to that. Then you go into Hebrews 12, where you jump down after it says, you know, run the race, lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily you know, entangles you. It goes down and then it begins to talk about the chastening of the Lord, right? Have you not forgotten about the chastening of the Lord? Bob Sorge wrote a book called The Chastening of the Lord. I wouldn't recommend it unless you're ready <laughs> to enter into a season. Um, be be careful, just like those prayers that you pray, be careful. Um, but but he says that it's the forgotten doctrine. We I think oftentimes we remove the thorn in the flesh that was given from the phrase that we were talking about this week, Mike, in my weakness. Yes. Right, my grace is sufficient for you, for in my weakness, he is strong. I think sometimes we we separate those and we don't read them in the context of, oh wow, God actually gave Paul a thorn to keep him from pride and haughtiness so that there wouldn't be destruction and so there wouldn't be a fall. That's how good God is. Yes. <laughs> Again, this is a can of worms that I'm opening up, but I think it's it's worth talking about for a moment. So I found, I, I, okay, help me, Lord. When I talk to people that don't have a grid for suffering, they are immature <laughs> believers. Come on, yeah, man. I would agree with that. Yes. I'm glad you went there. I, we just went there for a minute. I'm glad when you, you don't have a grid for it, and mm. I want you to take off here in a moment. When you don't have a grid for suffering, for trials, for testing, for for that, then really you're an immature Christian because you're running from the chastening of the Lord, and 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 you 
you don't understand the big picture of God developing us and keeping us safe from pride that will kill us. Last thing I'll I'll share. This is going to be just like here. We're opening it up. I believe that God will afflict the flesh to get to your spirit because he cares about the development of your spirit. And there's times where we will go through things that are difficult to keep us from, 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 from actually falling and destruction. I, I will, I will say, you know, as far as the can of worms on the thorn, I'm, I'm not going to go there, but I agree with what you just said. Um, because pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And, and the Bible says God resists the proud. Mm. I was going to go there too. So, so anytime that I get prideful, I'm, God is going to oppose me, not because he hates me, mm. but because he loves me. Wow. Right. Wow. And so in, if I'm, if I'm trying to move forward in pride That's right. and I'm resisted by God, it is the discipline of the Lord. And, and a good father disciplines those he loves, mm. you know, the, in Proverbs, it says that if I don't discipline my kids, I hate them. Yeah. And God is love. So he has to discipline us. That's right. And, and if I'm a, a son who respects my father, I'm going to ask him, which is where that prayer comes from. <laughs> I'm gonna, He's been trying to tell me this for like two I'm years. I'm going to ask him to discipline me. I'm going to ask him to develop the character of him in my heart Come on, because I want to lean into the discipline because I don't want to be prideful because I don't want to be opposed by him in any area of my life, especially in leadership. My mind's just like (laughs) right now. That was, that was good. There are times, some of the scariest moments in my life are the moments where there's a clear path. I don't know how else to describe this, but in the moments where it feels like things get easy, I remember how close I was when things were hard and how, how easy it was to get to my knees under the pressure. Right. And it makes me want to pray those prayers because it feels safer to be in desperation and be close to him than to have this. It's like a tempting thought that I might not need him for this. And it, it, I've, I've shaken That's over That's the fear it. of the Lord. I've shaken over that one. The, 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 like I feel so strong right now because it, I don't think there's anything that scares me more than the thought of not being. <laughs> That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what would one day, uh, me fearing a day without the presence of God in my life. And I... I'm going to do my best to articulate this, but I feel as if in this season, I am being delivered from a false grace identity message. There's a real identity message. Amen. Okay. And and I'm I'm an identity preacher and I'm a grace preacher, but I'm being delivered from a false one that says, if I name it, I claim it, I blab it, I grab it, I speak it, I say it, I shake it. Like this this idea that if I can just understand like this preacher or just know like this person, if I could just have the knowledge and understand the word, then 
I'm going to, I'm going to magically be free. That's not how it works. It's the presence of God. There's no holy without the Holy Spirit. That's right. Yes. There's no uh, Chris Donald leading people to the Lord and, and supernatural works happening in my life without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So what you're describing is my fear. It's the fear of the Lord. Lord, a day without you. If if I didn't have the presence of God in my life tomorrow, I would be as lost as anybody um, that's out there without the presence of the Lord. And somehow we we lose that. We think that intellectual knowledge saves us. It doesn't. The presence of God. There's people that know more about the Word of God than I could ever even imagine, and they've fallen away from the Lord because they didn't have the presence of God in their life. I want that in my life. And that's why I've been praying, probably because of your influence. I've been praying, Lord, if you, whatever it takes to keep me safe, keep me safe. Whatever you need to do, whatever you need to put me through, I am up for that. Because that word, he resists the proud. That word resist, that, that word, um, resist is the same word as resist the devil mm-hmm. and he'll flee from you. Mm-hmm. That's a strong resist. That's like you're running into a headwind called God. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want that. Yes. And the two can look so similar. If, if I stand up, I, I'm not struggling with sin right now. I didn't wake up this morning. I'm, I'm not addicted to things that I shouldn't be addicted to. I'm free. In Christ, mm-hmm. I'm bold. I have the power of God on my life. But as a leader, I'm going to communicate that in a way that they see my, that I'm in the fear of the Lord, that I'm humble, I'm submitted to the Lord. I'm going to communicate my freedom in Christ in a way that allows the people that I'm leading to see how it's actually possible. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get up and say, I don't struggle with this and you shouldn't struggle with that and you need to get your act together. I'm like, no, no, no. no. Listen, without the presence of God in my life, I'm lost. And I'm walking in victory, and I'm going to keep walking in victory, and you can walk in victory, but it comes through the presence of God, and you need to have the presence of God in your life. And I think that's where, and I've seen it in ministries, I've seen the same people respond to the same altar calls weeks, (laughs) if not months, if not years, because they're never actually trained in righteousness, mm. which is a, I mean, that's a whole thing that we don't have time for today that we just have a whole podcast <laughs> on that. But it's because they, they they think that if I can just get in one more meeting yep. and, and understand what that preacher's saying, if I could just have one person lay hands on me, then all of a sudden I'll be free. No, no, no. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life and the fear of the Lord, you can be free. It's, it's like, Amen. it's, we used to call them in Christ realities, the identity message, right? Yeah. This is who we are in Christ. And I think a lot of the church has gotten the, this is who we are and left off the in Christ. Come there on. you go. That's just like, that's huge. And, and I think what you're saying is, is I think this is still going on anyway, but you used to call them conference hoppers. People yeah. go from conference to conference to conference. And some of these people, I mean, they can preach better than some of the be- best preachers I know because yeah. they've sat and listened to them for years, but they're going to still respond to the altar call over and over again. They're still struggling with the same area of sin in their life over and over and over again. And it's one thing to confess or to have the knowledge of something up here. Right. And, and and it's another to 
uh, fall into the arms of Jesus. Yeah. And, and just that fear of the Lord peace, like without you, I am, I'm in a bad place. I'm in a really bad place without you, Lord. It's the in Christ part that is so huge. And we have to not, not point to our position as much as we're pointing to who our position's within because it's in Christ. And I think we've pointed a lot to the position. I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm That's like, true. Are you? <laughs> right, right. You know, but it's like we are in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. And so we have to, that in Christ part is just. Well, if I'm seated in heavenly places, then it should manifest on earth because on earth as it is in heaven. It's almost the same thing. With, you know, I am the righteousness of Christ. Okay, but why is righteousness not a part of your life? <laughs> yeah, well, well, but don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Right. Well, the, the word of God actually says that I'm to judge. Let's yes. go back to confronting in truth on that Come on. Because <laughs> if your life isn't demonstrating the righteousness of Christ, then you have wrong believing somewhere. You have You believe a lie that needs to be rooted out, repented of, and then obedience followed so your life demonstrates righteousness. I had a, regardless of your position, though, that's not a leadership or, or not leadership thing. That's no, that, just, that's just a children of God. Like, that, that is the teaching of righteousness. That's exactly. It. I had a, a guy say to me one time, myself, like the, this guy that was talking to me, and this Bible teacher are the only ones that get it. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. And it wasn't even the Bible teacher school that we were at. It was a guy that comes in. Okay. It's like, all right. And then he, for the next two hours, tore me apart. Like, you're this and this person's that. And I'm like, well, man, I know the person that you say gets it and they're really nice. But you're, if you are embodying this message, you are the meanest, like most critical. I feel so condemned. But somehow we can, we can fall into this deception because we think that we understand the words, but we don't have the fruit of the spirit in our life. Mm. And that's a very, that's why I'm saying the gauge of, there are people right now that are traveling, speaking at conferences that we think are so close to God, but they have no fruit of the Holy Spirit, which means if you don't have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then you're not connected to the vine. Yes. Mm. Gifts are given without repentance. You can function in gifts, and but fruit is grown. So the moment that you're disconnected from the vine, meaning if you don't have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't know Jesus. We've done all these things in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've worked miracles in your names. We've, we've done these things in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me, for I never knew you. The only way that I can gauge if you know God is where is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? I, <laughs> there's a picture that came to my head, and it's it's with sports celebrities and everything. If, if, if you see a sports player, famous sports player, and you're like, man, I know. Yeah, you might know about him, but I dare you to go up to him and say, hey, man, it's me. Like, <laughs> Get away from me. I have no, no idea who you are. are. <laughs> right? And, and like, LeBron, man, it's Chris. Oh, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's actually such a good picture. Like, we think because we know all the stats about, all the gossip about, all the whatever Come about on. anyone that we know them. 
And they look at you like, you're a stranger. Go away. Like, I would never want to just celebritize Jesus without actually knowing. Come on. That that verse, Matthew 7, 21, it's the first verse I really memorized. One of the first verses I ever memorized as a kid. Um, It just stuck out to me. Because that Lord, Lord is, it's a term of endearment back in the day. It's like, you know, Chris, Chris, like my, my long lost friend. And, and these people are going to come to him and say, like, I thought we were buddies. And he says, I never knew you. And, and not even I once knew you. No, I never, never, which which meant, which meant it's back to the, the transparency vulnerability thing. Like you can't have deep relationship if there's walls up to the extent I take the walls down. That's the extent that, that I let you know me and I can know you. And so in my relationship with God, have I taken down all of the walls and allowed him to know every aspect of my heart and say, like David did, search me, O God, know my wicked ways and bring them to the surface. Like we, we saw at the table, you know, a, a guy, the Holy Spirit was bringing to the surface something that he was allowing to happen. And then he confessed it one to another and was healed. How often do we just say, God, search me and know my heart and bring things to the surface because I want you to know every aspect of me. I mean, in, in John 3, it says, though, like those who are known by him, they come into the light. And, and, and so that what they have done can be clearly seen by him. Yes. And what areas have we hidden? Because that's the areas we don't know him and we haven't allowed him to know us. Mm. I was just thinking, David, as you're saying that, if that area, what if that area that we won't open up to God isn't necessarily like a sin, right? You're not looking at porn, you're not whatever the case may be. What if that area we don't open up to him is like, hey God, I don't, I don't want to let go of this title. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk on this topic. I don't want to let go of this title right now and let's talk about that Mm. because I don't want to lose that title because my identity is wrapped up in that title. That gives me my value, my worth. I don't want to lose that. There's a verse for that. Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and he said, Hey, the one thing that he was holding on to, he said, I want that, Mm. give that up. And the rich young ruler showed that that was his Lord, not Jesus. Yes. Man, I, I think it must have been like three or four years ago was the first time I think I actually understood what living a life of confession actually meant. I didn't know. I was terrified to open my heart because every time I, I would, I would approach the throne of grace with shame, not realizing I can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Come on. Amen. That it's, I'm, I'm approaching the one who already paid out of love to make me right. But the only way to be made right is to actually come forth and confess to the one who can. That's right. Like, I can't receive mercy from a judge if the, if we can't even talk about the crime. Mm. Wow. That's <laughs> right. That's you, what, what do you want mercy for? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Then why are you here? Like, yeah. you know, uh, you must be perfect already. There's nothing... Confess. So you are at that point righteous in your own eyes, mm. right? Because you're not willing to actually bear it and and come into the light with all of who you are. You know, to the person listening, that's like, man, these guys are just weak. Amen. <laughs> I mean, this is this is me. You know, six, seven, eight years ago, I'd hear the conversation like this, and I'd be like, they don't. 
know their identity. They don't know how awesome and powerful and handsome they are. And, and uh, I would just strongly warn that person that, that's listening, that's like, oh, I don't know, you know. I heard it said, listen, if Paul <laughs> Come on. said in my weakness, yeah. if Jesus said the entrance point into the kingdom, the Beatitudes, poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn or repent, blessed are those who, it doesn't say those that are righteous. It says blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Thank God the last thing on the list, we've been talking about this, is blessed are the pure in heart. Thank God it doesn't start with pure in heart. Because yeah. there's a process of <laughs> you come in low, and then you, you know, meekness and all, all this, like, if, if that's how Jesus describes the kingdom, and then if he says, deny yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> pick up your cross, even the self that's in the self-righteousness, like if you're, if you're listening to this and you're scared to share what temptation or what sin you fell into last week, you've already bit the bait. Yeah. You've, and, al- you've already been beaten. And, and, and I feel like I need to, talk to those that are listening to that, that hear this and they're convicted, um, man, run to the father. Yeah. He's a good father and, and, and don't fall back, fall forward into his arms. That's right. Every time I mess up, I, I, I never fall back. I fall forward. I fall into my father's arms because I know I'm a son that's loved by him, that he wants to discipline me. And then he wants, he wants to like make even my screw up work out for good because I'm loved by him. He picks me back up and he pushes me forward and says, come on, son, let's keep walking. And so to the, the person that is convicted, don't let it turn to condemnation, but let it turn to repentance before your father That's right. and let him transform it and then let that darkness become your testimony to help others move forward too. That's right. That's beautiful. What are you thinking? You've been quiet. Yeah, I mean, I'm... This topic is just, I, I would venture to say this is one of the most important topics I feel in the body of Christ that someone could talk about right now. I really do because unfortunately I don't feel like the body has done a good job uh, in the last few years of modeling what it looks like to be a Christ follower. There's been a lot of um, sadly people falling, but I think this is really important because you can't be poor in spirit. You can't be weak and, and just falling in the Father's arms, broken, and, uh, and and lead the same. Like, obviously, we want to pursue. We want to be poor in spirit. We want to remain there. But God transforms you in that place. Like it says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. filled. You're going to get what you come to Him for when you're poor in spirit broken before him when you fall forward into the father's arms you're going to get you're going to get what you came for and and it transforms you and i think when we don't do that we don't get what we need and that's where sin creeps in that's where uh, haughtiness comes in Mm. and we're walking i know who i am i'm not i'm not one of those weak dudes i'm not you know i i know where i'm seated and all this and it's like that's the wrong spirit. That's the wrong mindset. I don't, I don't believe that's what Paul was talking about. 
in Ephesians when he was even talking about our position in Christ. I, I was the other day reading this. I, I, I found myself in a place of weakness recently where I'm like, Lord, I don't want to leave this place because I'm encountering you so much more than I ever have in my whole life from this place of brokenness and weakness. I, I don't want to leave this. I don't want to come into this place where I feel like I can carry this myself. And I began to ask him like, Lord, protect this weak place I'm in. And then I began to ask him, Lord, how do I remain weak? How do I do that? <laughs> and he wasn't telling me. And then, then one day in church uh, during worship, he speaks to me loud and clear. And he said, obedience will always lead you into weakness. And when we're obedient to the Lord, when we're obedient to the call, when we're obedient to the mission, it's going to lead us into a place of weakness because to be obedient, you have to take up a cross. You can't take up a cross without being, without it breaking you or making you weak. I don't, I don't think that's possible. And so that's right. Um, and I, I just began to dwell on that. And then the Lord led me to second Corinthians 12, where Paul begins to talk about the thorn in the flesh and how he sought God three times for it to be removed. And the Lord said, no, like my, my grace is sufficient for you. And my, my, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then yet in the book of Acts, when Paul goes into Jerusalem towards the end of that book, they say, here's the guy who turned the world upside down. There he is. Paul changed the world as they knew it in that day within the Roman empire, right? And that's, that was the world that they knew it. He turned it upside down. How did he do that? It, I, I would say it was from a place of weakness because he was only strong enough to do that in God because he was actually weak and he was poor in spirit and he was just leaning on God. I mean, he's writing two thirds of the new Testament from yeah. a prison cell <laughs> and it wasn't a prison like we have nowadays. You know what I mean? We're talking a dungeon and this man's writing from there broken and, and poor in spirit and needy and he changes the world. And I truly believe it because I think Chris talked about this earlier. He was given the thorn in the flesh, you know, whatever that is, because of the abundance of revelation, the Bible says that he was, he had, I mean, Paul was a very well-learned Pharisee that the man was highly respected in that, in that world. And I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I, I, you guys would know better than me, but Pharisees knew the entire Old Testament by heart. They memorized everything. And he knew the word of God. And he had this abundance of revelation that came upon him when he came to Christ. And because of that revelation, lest he enter into pride, God gave him a thorn in the flesh. And it was that weakness that came from that thorn in the flesh that caused him to be strong and therefore change the world. This, this scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 or 4, 8, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Sounds like last week. But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith. And then he just goes on to say that it's like 
I want I want that. Yeah. That's real Christianity too. Hey Chris, you're living it, bro. Like I'm I'm hearing testimonies, you know, when we did the podcast with him and he's sharing the testimonies of you and I'm seeing I'm seeing the the interns and how they're they're mimicking you and and following you as you follow Christ in the midst of this. Like in this verse seven, right before what you read, it says, But we have this treasure. Yes. What's the treasure? It's the knowledge of the glory of Jesus. It's who he is. You have that treasure in your earthen vessel. And so every time you're pressed, every time that, but not crushed, but there's cracks that happen. There's, right. there's, there's stuff. That crack is letting out the essence of Christ in That's you. It. Other people are seeing you pressed and they're seeing Jesus come out instead of what comes out of everybody else. <laughs> And and they're seeing they're seeing trials and stuff happen to you, and the cracks in that earthen vessel are, are allowing the fruit of the Father to to come out, and they're taking drinks and experiencing Jesus too. That's it, and that's how they're being transformed in the midst of the suffering you're going through. And so, because of that suffering, it says the life of Jesus is transforming the people around them. So that life of Jesus is transforming them. You're doing it. You're living this. Come on, man. And what does it say? New Living Translations, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Mm-hmm. Fragile. Can mm. you say it? Can you sum it up any better right. than that? So let's not try to fool ourselves or anybody else. Mm. Like to wrap it all around. We're like fragile clay jars. Come on. It's beautiful. Yes, it but is. because of that, we allow what's in us to come out in the midst of the crushing. So I've been saying, Lord, if you've somehow used me in my ignorance, mm. use me in my brokenness. Come on. I don't know how he used me in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> but now he's using me in my brokenness and the fruit of him using in my brokenness is so much more than what I ever did in my ignorance. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen.